Hey fans and subscribers, this is your host Joe from the Gaming for Insight channel with you to host the official episode one of the Handhelds United podcast. Topics we are covering tonight extend to the Ryzen 7 8840U refresh of some handheld gaming devices. Next, the Minis Forum V3 tablet and finally speculation for what this year 2024 will provide for handheld gaming devices. Joining us tonight for the podcast are two other channels of Handhelds United. Those are Gamers Generation and CPPC Tech. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. And for those watching from home tonight, feel welcome to share your comments with us in the chat, and we will speak to them before we transition to the next topic at hand. Hey yo, it's Peter from Gamers Generation. If you're listening to the replay of our first live show, I'd just like to extend an apology on behalf of Handhelds United as we ran into some audio issues on our first portion of the podcast. And so if you're wondering what happened to the first topic about Ryzen 8000 handhelds, now you know. The basic gist though was that none of us are particularly excited for the now official 8840U. But the good news for you is that we're all in agreement in the sense that it seems like your current Z1E or 7840U handhelds are probably safe from being thrown in the trash. So don't run out there and upgrade just yet. And now on to the rest of the show. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. Uh, Crazy Tech, what's up, brother? I see you in chat, man. Thanks for thanks for swinging by. How you doing, brother? Got two people from my community over here. Definitely the OGs. You guys have been around a long time. Sorry, we're doing our first official live podcast. So, of course, there's going to be at least one hiccup along the way. So, we just need to work this one little kink out and we are back to the train here we'll, we'll be back rolling okay What's i up, changed the setting let me see if that if you wouldn't mind cppc tech just checking the sure. stream to see i'm going to continue talking see if we have this worked out i'm going to continue talking to see if we have this issue worked out with our stream here CPPC Tech, are you able to hear me? Yep, you're good to go, brother. We're okay. Perfect. We're, back, we're back in business. Okay, all right. So it sounds like it was just a settings issue that needed yeah. to be specifically selected with the audio. Very sorry for everyone tuning in. Again, this is our first official launch, so please bear with us, and we will have this worked out for next time. All right, so... With that, let me check the comments here to see if we have anyone that has a comment about our first topic, which has been the refresh of the of gaming devices with the Ryzen 7 8840U. Gentlemen, I am not seeing any comments yeah. on our first topic, so I think it's safe for us to transition to our second topic at hand which is on the Minis Forum V3 tablet. Now, let me yes. take a moment to just introduce this for us and our viewers from home that may not be familiar with it. This is a three-in-one device to feature an APU with the Ryzen 8040U mobile series. This device can be used as a 14-inch tablet. Again, it is versatile. It has a 1610 aspect ratio, 165 hertz display with 1460 by 1600 resolution, and it weighs 946 grams. The tablet offers three TDP modes, and for those that are familiar with adjusting TDP, this may not be 
too drastic and expected here. A 15 watt mode, and this is meant for extending battery life. An 18 to 22 watt mode, and this is meant for office tasks and light gaming. And a 28 watt mode, this is meant for high end gaming. And these modes are managed through the vSpace software, and it's custom to have a software like this on these gaming handhelds as an all-in-one place for making adjustments. This tablet is an intended competitor, according to one source, to the One X Player X1, the Asus ROG Flow Z13, and others for those that are familiar with those two devices and have read about them as well. CPPC Tech, if I can transition to you to start, what are your initial thoughts on this Minisform V3 tablet? So first of all, looking at it, I went and looked at the dimensions of it. And I was really shocked at how thin this thing is. It's actually less than 10 millimeters thick. So it's definitely like thinner than like an Ally or your normal handheld. So it's going to be like really portable. Uh, it definitely has a lot to offer. I'm, I'm shocked they even put in 32 gigs. It's, it's specced out really, really well. It's like they're actually listening to the community because a lot of us have been griping about all these systems where we're only getting 16 gigs of RAM and, uh, just just feel like beating a dead horse every time they give us another one. So seeing something that that actually has some of the kind of like must-haves, you know, it's it's got that. It's got a, a high refresh screen, great resolution. Uh, you can't really ask for more. I'm I'm really curious on the price though. But I mean, with it being 14 inch, it's definitely big enough to be almost a gaming laptop at that point. But it's not as thick as a gaming laptop. It's a very uh, intriguing platform. I could see a lot of people picking this up, uh, having a little stand for it, a little case, set it on your desk, do some light gaming, some content. It's it's very interesting. I'll be picking one up. I think I'm definitely going to pick up one of these for sure. And it's you can upgrade the NVMe drive. Everything in it just seems like um, they've listened. You know, they they really have been doing some really good stuff over there at Minis Forum. Gamers, Gen Gamers Generation, your thoughts on this Minis Forum V3 tablet? Uh, yeah. Joe, can I trouble you to just check uh, the tab that you have open? It looks, uh, I think our viewers are just seeing a uh, private tab. Just uh, Yeah, so what I can, I have not been using this. I sincerely apologize. We can, no, we, we have this open to be able to show articles and sources that we want to. So let me take this opportunity to pull up an article, or at, let's just pull up the page for the tablet itself. Yeah, yeah, that works. And look at this. Thank yeah, you. thank you, thank you very much. Thank you for those bearing with us as we get comfortable here. So here is our Minis Forum V3 tablet. The specific details for it, and I can scroll through here just so you can see the main features here. One of the things I also realized is it's got V-Link, so you can actually use this as a uh, like a second display. So this serves as like two purposes. It's like a gaming PC slash. You could also use it as like an external monitor. So if you want to hook this up to like a Legion Go or an Ally or something like that, this could also be your portable monitor for you know gaming, even editing on a laptop or something that you already have. It's an, an insane device, really. I, I can't wait to pick one of these up. It's probably probably the tablet that if you're going to get a tablet, you should probably get a tablet similar to this if it's got all these features and it's not a crazy price or anything. And we've alluded to this 
topic, this notion of having an all-in-one device that we can use. And it has been a theme amongst gamers and those in productivity that are interested in gaming for some time. The tablet itself being a versatile device, what you can do, there is the interest in cloud gaming, but there are those that prefer gaming locally with local resources and not having a lightweight client that's just used for cloud gaming. So having a productivity device on the go that you can use for gaming to play the latest AAA games with great frame rates, that is the dream. I think we can all agree of on for gamers and I myself I actually use my Lenovo Legion Go more as a tablet than I do anything else and it sits in a desktop mode and I use it to game with the FPS mode and an external display so I think that can resonate amongst gamers to have something like that instead of just be confined to using a gaming handheld and holding it up with with both hands Mm. absolutely agreed um, I think this thing actually is really having making us think about a topic we talked about previously, which is a device that is essentially replacing big desktop builds. This thing, it has USB 4, and it's likely going to have the 8840U, which we just talked about. So if you really wanted to, you could connect an eGPU to it. You're obviously going to be a little bit bottlenecked, but it's possible. And I don't know what the pricing is on this. I don't think they've revealed it yet. But this thing obviously is very much going to undercut the Asus Flow uh, Z13. And it's competing right up against things like the WinMax 2. The WinMax 2 is not a convertible. It has a slightly smaller display. uh, And it has lower refresh rate on that display as well. So really now we're looking at these things which are laptops, but... Could they also be just, uh, you know, a big gaming laptop as uh, as CPPC mentioned? Yeah, with the thickness of it being, I think it's like nine something millimeters. I mean, that's pretty thin. I mean, that's actually thinner than pretty much any any uh, of these handhelds that we're seeing. So they're squeezing everything in an extremely tight package here. Yeah, absolutely. And it has, uh, it's also, they listed as 946 grams. So that's mm-hmm. slightly, that's a little, that's about, I think, 140 or so grams more than uh, a Legion Go. It's sl- that thing is slightly oh, okay. more, that thing is slight, almost, only very slightly heavier than uh, this convertible laptop I actually just reviewed on my channel this morning. So wow. this thing is very much in line with something that, I, I mean, yeah, you could hold it as a tablet. It looked probably kind of silly if you added these controllers to it, but hey, I mean, if well, one I mean, this would, wants to try it. Yeah, this would be ideal if you want to put it on a stand to use like an Xbox controller or a PlayStation controller, for example. You know, just set it on the table. Because, I mean, something this big, you're probably not going to want to hold it in your hands. I mean, you probably could. But as far as for gaming goes, it would ideally be something you could sit maybe in your lap at, at, at like one of those little stands, those portfolio stands. Or you could just toss it on a table. Or if you're in an airplane, you know, have the little uh, table down, folded, and put that there and game with your controller. That's what yeah. I'd be mostly looking to use it for. Like, it's extremely exciting for me because, you know, I'm, I I don't have the best eyesight in the world. So some of these smaller handhelds to me just aren't as attractive because although they're very powerful for gaming, I still would like a bigger screen because if I want to transition to watch YouTube or start surfing the web or type on Discord, I need a little bit bigger screen than what 
just like the ally offers. So I've been like keeping my eye on like a portable display. But then I start thinking, well, dang, I got to have the portable display and the ally in my bag and all the cords and everything for that. And this could replace possibly both of those. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. You, think, you think it could? No, I absolutely agree with you. Um, and what you said about packing everything in, it's actually really impressive that weight because that, again, that mini laptop that I just reviewed, that thing is like 912 grams or something. But mm. in that mini laptop, that mini laptop only has a 10.51 inch display. So it's smaller. Oh. Uh, and it's also got only a 28 watt hour battery in there. This thing has a 50 watt hour battery. Right. So somehow yeah. it's, it's somehow it's barely, yeah, it's barely heavier but it's got, you know, nearly, uh, nearly what, three and a half inches more screen real estate. That That's a big deal. And it looks like the cooling is good, too. There's uh, four uh, big four copper heat pipes. And then it looks like uh, I'm not sure what test they use to get this, but they're showing like 73C for the CPU temp. And like I said, I don't know what test they're running, how they got that temperature. Were they gaming? Were they running Cinemich, I don't know, but if we see a max temp of 73, that would be like, wow. But, you know, it could be an average temp, who knows. But I think even then, even if it was an average temp, that's still lower than your out-of-the-box average temp of some of these handhelds we're seeing. We're seeing some of those hit 90, 95C. So it's, it's extremely impressive. I really hope this comes in at a competitive price. You're probably going to see a lot of people picking these up. That's a great thing that you mentioned there. What do you gentlemen speculate would the pricing be? I'm thinking a thousand bucks, just just uh, off the bat right here. I'm thinking nine ninety nine. It, it could go as low as seven ninety nine, but just with the screen size, just in mind, I kind of think they're probably going to be on the uh, just shy of a thousand. What do you I think? Com I completely agree with CPPC Tech. This needs to not only compete with the other tablets, but it also needs to compete with handhelds because someone could look yes. at this and think, oh, well, I can just buy a handheld gaming device, even the Asus ROG Ally, and I can use that as a versatile device. Because again, it is a Windows-based device, not that only Windows-based devices are versatile, but within what we're talking about here, like I mentioned, I'm using my Lenovo Legion Go as a versatile device with its tablet, like a tablet. Someone could just save some money and do that as well. And I think with it being a tablet, there can be the challenge to get under $1,000. I'm not saying it's impossible, but to get below that $1,000 price point, that could be a challenge. Uh, Many folks all for both of you. pretty low price stuff, though, traditionally, right? That I'm not sure about. Okay. So let me take a moment, gentlemen. Let me look in the comments here to see what those have written. So I'm seeing from Pock Pock, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing the name, 18 to 22 watt for office work. I limit my WM2 to 8 watt for office work. I myself completely agree that it's not necessary to use the 18 to 22 watt. So I think that's interesting that the design for that mode is for office work. So it will be interesting to see what others do with that mode if they do use it for office work. And PocPoc specifically also says 15 watt for battery extension seems like an overkill. Yeah, especially with some games where the 15 watt is, it, basically you can use a lower watt. And I think that's to your point, PocPoc, on that. Gentlemen, any comments for what Pac has shared with us? 
it's going to come down to the screen brightness and the resolution of the refresh rate. When you have a bright, a brighter screen that's a little bit bigger than a handheld, it's going to consume more power. So that's where they're getting those power figures from. Uh, if we're talking about this mini forum tablet, your your tablets are going to consume probably slightly more just based on that screen. But if you turn your brightness down, you run it at maybe 1080 or 900p, I think you'll get a lot more efficiency out of it. So if you're aiming for max, um, you know, battery life, definitely dial that resolution down, maybe turn off some of the features and you could squeeze a lot more life out of it. I'm sure they're just rating that at the desired resolution and the brightness. I will say that there's, there's a couple of things that we should probably be a little bit cautious about. Mini's forums, Mini's forum is quite now well known for their mini PCs. And this yes. is, their, as far as I know, this is their first dive into this type of device. So okay. there's a potential that, you know, there's something, uh, you know, uh, that really doesn't work well with it. Hopefully it's not, uh, you know, some kind of cooling issue in which case I'm sure you got fans ready to go. Right. Um, I think that this device also can very much compete competitively at the price level. I'm looking at Mini's Forum's website. The most expensive thing that they have in their product lineup currently is uh, $650. Mm-hmm. And that has a i7-12650H in there. So right. if we said 1000 as you gentlemen had speculated, I think that that would actually undercut a lot of the market. Like I mentioned, uh, the Asus Flow Z13. That thing obviously is much more powerful, but the retail price of that thing is also outrageous. It's over like $1,500 or something like that. This mm-hmm. device, if this can come in at $1,000 and let's say for a 16 gigabyte variant and let's go like 11, 1200 for, you know, the max specification, I think that it can actually put pressure on some handheld companies like GPD with their WinMax 2 as well. And the one netbook X, uh, X1 that we talked about as well, that thing is not going to come in cheap but it would have a lot of pressure on it from a device like this. Definitely will. I think they can do it. They, Like I said earlier, these guys have traditionally had lower-priced units. Um, I've watched a lot of their mini computers, and they've always come in at a very interesting price point. So I do think that as far as pricing goes, they are going to be more aggressive than some of your other competitors out there, just simply because they have found ways to kind of cut the cost a little bit. I know traditionally some of the things that they did were like housing quality as far as like the outer housings go on some of these PCs. They might have used like a thinner plastic. There's no need to over-engineer some of the things that they've sold. So they would rather just put the hardware inside rather than making it look all fancy wrapped up, you know, bling-blingy RGB which is good. I would much rather have that. I, I prefer something to function and to perform and looks can come second. You know, I think, I think these are the kind of the core foundations upon this brand that we should still expect for them. So I think you should still see under a thousand bucks. I kind of think that 32 gig model is still going to be under a thousand. Speaking of wrong. the, speaking of 32 gig, the next comment for the minis forum from Crazy Tech Lazy 1985, that 16 gig stuff is game really played out by now, especially on these handheld gaming devices. So interesting notion. Nice. I think that Crazy is 
not crazy in alluding to <laughs> that 16 gig is sufficient and a 32 gig option would be nice to have with the memory. But again, there's much that can be done with 16 with games and not all new games require more than 16 to run. True. And if, if someone's going to be using this for productivity and light gaming, and maybe they want to use this as a drawing tablet, YouTube kind of, you know, tablet, this would be perfect if you wanted to save a few bucks and get that 16 gigs. But if the price is only, you know, a few bucks difference, maybe 50 bucks difference or something, I think you're going to sell more of the 32 gig models and they'll be more attractive to the mainstream audience. But there'll always be those who need to save a few bucks and they might not want to spend all their money, they might want to have enough left over for a bag or a case or something. So it's nice that they might could uh, save a few bucks. But I think the 32 gigs is going to be the seller. And in relevance... So necessary. Yeah. And in relevance, a comment from Jed Valton, also in alignment with this conversation topic, 16 should be the minimum standard. I think we can agree on that altogether, that 16 should be indeed. All right. I think we can transition, gentlemen, and those viewing from home to our third topic at hand, speculation for this year, 2024, specifically what handhelds we will see in addition to others mentioned so far throughout the podcast tonight. We have discussed and mentioned Intel handhelds, or excuse me, we have not mentioned any Intel handhelds. I think there was a comment on one, and so I think those from home are interested in the conversation about Intel handhelds. So let's jump into that. Two that come to mind are the One X Player X1, and this comes with the Core Ultra 7, and the MSI handheld, that's the other handheld that has been making runs in the news here with gaming handhelds, and this also is with the Intel Core Ultra 7. So as far as specifics for both, we're looking at the Intel 100 variant. The MSI handheld is reported to use the 155H variant so far. That's what we know. And it does have 32 gigabyte LPDDR5X memory, and the speed is unknown for that memory. Now, Intel chips overall allow opportunity for those that are not familiar for modifying the EPP or energy performance preference. And so with that, one question that we can answer is if, 24, if 2024 is going to be the year where Intel handhelds and AMD handhelds go head to head in competition. So let's discuss all of this here. And I will pull up an article for one of the handhelds if there is a preference here on the screen. Now, Gamers Generation, if I can start with you, what are your impressions so far as what 2024 is going to look like, especially with the Intel handhelds or anything else that has been discussed here with this topic? Yeah, thank you, Joe. Um, we are, any handheld enthusiast is going to be in euphoria, I think, because as long as they are open to, you know, open box refurb units, it's going to be a field day. You're going to have so many options with so many great performers out there. We are already seeing the ROG Ally before the end of the year drop down significantly in price. You can get like open box Z1 Extreme ROG Allies for like $450. That's an insane value. Normally, I would say that the Steam Deck is always price pegging everything. 
and that that $400 price segmentation area is highly competitive, which is still true, but because of things like the MSI Claw that's going to be coming out, we're going to, I would expect, to see some downward price movement, which is fantastic for everyone. With those Intel handhelds, the One X, uh, the One X Player or One Netbook X1 and the MSI Claw as of now, which we know about, having the 155H and for all intents and purposes currently being able to go up with against the 780M, the one thing I think that will be hard for some consumers is picking one or the other and not really knowing, uh, you know, what is going to give them the better performance given, uh, let's say, given a certain video game title or given, let's say, uh, complete out-of-the-box experience. Also, because of Intel CPUs and their reputation in the past few years, I really don't expect these things to perform that well in the low TDP range. Uh, and that's where I'm going to push it over to CPPC because he knows all about that stuff. Well, um, I will say this is uh, probably one of the most exciting times is when we are starting to see things come out for Intel handhelds because we've all been waiting. We've all been talking about it for the last year. The MSI Claw is uh, it's almost like a, a aesthetically, I won't say a clone of an ROG Ally, but if you were to kind of like cover up the logo, you would think, hey, this is maybe a, a black ROG Ally. So it's a design that we're really familiar with. As far as lower TDP performance, I don't, you know, I, I don't really have a perfect, um, uh, I guess, statement upon that, but I do know that typically we do see Intel using a little bit more power than their AMD counterparts as far as their CPU goes. But what it's really going to come down to is the drivers and the optimizations for each and every game. However, with it having, you know, plenty of cores, plenty of threads, we're going to have plenty of RAM. It seems that they are really trying to make this thing as powerful as possible. So I don't think we're going to have to worry about, is it going to underperform? Uh, the question is, is it going to outperform? And I don't quite know yet. I think it's going to be on par. So it might actually, like uh, like he was at Gamers Generation was saying, is it might come down to the particular game that you play. Do you play, you know, RPGs? Do you play first-person shooters? Do you play open-world games? You know, some of these open-world games are games that might take more RAM or more VRAM. It might do better with. But then some games that uh, you need more battery life for, for example, maybe the AMD handhelds work better for you. We just don't quite know yet. I know we'll get some more information at CES. But as far as the specs, pricing, uh, you know, questions and things like that, there's still a few things up in the air. I do expect it to be pretty comparable to the ROG Ally. Uh, I don't think we'll definitely see anything under uh, under that price point just yet. But as far as like the cooling goes, I've seen um, a few a few little tidbits about the cooling. I think the cooling and the temps are going to be fine. I know um, some YouTubers have alluded to the temps being. Uh, unable to be controlled, they're going to be out of the park, and it's just going to be out to lunch with these temps. I don't think that. I also want to caution people that with uh, Intel GPUs, for example, we did see in the beginning when they launched their GPUs uh, for the desktops some games not performing as well. But if you remember, the games you know have or the drivers have matured, just as AMD has as well. The drivers are always going to mature and things are going to get better with time. So if a particular game that you're looking at doesn't perform up to your standard, 
maybe if you have the time, just kind of sit back and see how things go. If you're not in a rush to buy a handheld, because it may surprise you in a month or two when the drivers get a little better or when video game developers are able to adapt these particular uh, drivers to their game. Because that's also another thing we see when a new piece of hardware comes out or a new GPU. They may not have the game optimized yet for that particular title or that particular piece of hardware. So just kind of be patient because it is going to be, I predict, maybe a rocky start. But I think with a little bit of time, this will be the way. I'm I'm an Intel fanboy to the day I die, unfortunately. But I really have good faith in Intel, and I can't wait to see what happens. And there's a lot of other handhelds that are going to be using it as well, like the One X Player X1. That one, uh, it's a little bit of a different design. It's almost like a tablet design. Um, but I don't know. I, I can't wait to see what what happens. You know, what do you think, Joe? I think that resonates as well. And what you said about the start and alluding to the start of when this device releases not being the end-all be-all for what it is going to be. We've seen handhelds that have released and they have needed to grow as far as their software functionality, their driver performance. And we, on the first podcast we did, the pilot, we talked about the six-month check-in and we looked at how much the ROG Ally has grown in six months. So when these new devices release, we have to keep in mind that it may be a rough start to begin with, but six months later, it may be a much better experience and likely will be giving the benefit of the doubt here. So I think that's a great point. And also the point that you made that it may be best to wait. It may be best to wait to allow for the drivers and further software to release for giving that additional support and operability of the device before picking one up. And who knows, you may be able to get a, a nice discount as well, even if it's approaching the holiday season when you decide to pick one up. Gamers Generation, any thoughts for, for this as well from what CPPC has talked about? Yeah, um... I am in agreement with both of what uh, with what you're both saying, and particularly to what you said um, that uh, you referenced for CPPC. Uh, Intel Arc has had a bad reputation at the start, but if you look at any of the headlines, they're all advertising things like 120 percent uh, performance boost on latest drivers, fifty nine percent performance boost. Like you see these outrageous double digit numbers that you would never see from. Uh, the likes of AMD or NVIDIA, mainly because those drivers are typically a bit more mature. Intel hasn't really been in the graphics game for long, but clearly they're doing their homework. And anyone who is following the desktop GPU sides knows that the Intel Arc GPUs, the 750 and the 770, they're actually really great value so long as you're willing to you know, uh, tolerate the fact that maybe the drivers are not working. Uh, as an example... Uh, if you're a Starfield person, unfortunately, and you also have an Intel Arc GPU, it's not going to be a good time. But that doesn't mean it will be a bad time forever. At some point, I assume that it will be quite good. And also, I would uh, like to ask you gentlemen to, um, to also speculate what you think the claw will um, give to us in terms of uh, competition for things like the Ally and the Legion Go that are already out there. Maybe not on day one, but eventually, what would you like to see? 
So off the bat, I will definitely expect it. Uh, if it's going to be in the same ballpark price-wise, I will expect it to be on par with AAA titles for the most part. Now, if we're looking at something like uh, like like Forza, for example, I would like to have a solid 120 FPS. Uh, if we're looking at something like Call of Duty, of course, 120 FPS. But something like Starfield, I, I don't have as high hopes for because just like you mentioned, we have issues on the desktop side as well so i don't have high hopes for that so you do have to kind of like have reasonable expectations running into this um but since it's going to be a flagship handheld device and they've had a lot more time in the gpu space i think my expectations now are better than what it would have been six months ago just based upon what we saw back then with the gpus in the desktop market i do think that you're going to probably see a lot of uh the ai upscaling uh kind of rapidly mature i know i've used the xess which is the uh competitor to dlss or fsr it's basically intel's version of the ai upscaling i've used it before it's worked quite well so i think they're going to be utilizing that pretty heavily in these handhelds so even if it's a, a situation where maybe you have to dial back the resolution or it has to render at a lower resolution i still think the visual fidelity of it is going to be quite good so i don't think there should be any worries in that department but i would still have my reservations if you are very uh, much into very specific niche games so you might want to before you just dive right on in you might want to watch benchmarks for maybe a couple different youtubers until you get to see your favorite game being played um, just so we don't have a lot of people buying handhelds and they're upset uh, you know there's always going to be people that just aren't quite perfectly happy with anything so if you buy a handheld at least know hey it's a windows pc it does have drivers there's going to be caveats to it uh it, it's it's a new market i just want everyone to go in with the right expectations because i don't think we were quite led with those same expectations with for example the rg ally there was um, quite a bit of kind of frustration slash confusion and i think uh, now that there's been a lot more handhelds come out we shouldn't have that but i still just want to caution people to just Kind of chill a little bit. Let's make sure before we all go crazy and saying this is the ultimate end-all be-all handheld because I don't want to put my cart in front of the horse, but I am confident that we'll be happy with what comes out. And I'd like to touch on what you mentioned too about the upscaling technology. You and I were talking about that as far as a handheld coming out and the notion of, well, can the CPU or the, the APU overall alone push this many frames? But with upscaling technology, we can achieve higher frames by the way and the nature of how upscaling technology works. So it's going to be interesting to see who prefers what upscaling technology, whether it's Intel's, whether it's AMD's, and if there is going to be a debate between which one is arguably better. And personally, I'm looking forward to experiencing both and being familiar with both as well. Same. I'd like to ask you gentlemen what you what you think specifically of the claw. Um, CPPC, you mentioned uh, that you think it looks kind of like, um, you know, uh, the ROG ally may be going through a bit of a goth phase. So like, <laughs> what do you think? What do you think are the specs that are uh, uh, on... Uh, confirmed right now 
okay, so so unconfirmed, just looking at the screenshots that are available, I'm happy with it. I actually do like that it is black. And and the simple reason is I love white handhelds. Don't get me wrong. My whole PC setup has got that white aesthetic. You you know, you know I love the white stuff, but like this is awesome. I love the blue buttons. It's beautiful. You you really have a beautiful handheld here. And for it still having that RGB on the little rings is what it looks like. It still looks really good. It does have a thicker bezel from what some people are saying, but the bezel doesn't look any thicker than, for example, an RG Ally. It's still a rendering, so we really just don't know yet. Uh, everything else on the back side, though, it looks like it's going to have really good venting. So it should have actually very adequate cooling which is something that some people have mentioned that they were worried about. So I think as far as cooling goes, we should be pretty good. It's got nice mesh vents. They look very open and breathable. MSI usually does pretty good with their designs. They usually like aggressive lines. They usually like their logos. Uh, they're really good with their RGB lighting and their software. Uh, one of the things I forgot to touch on is software. You know, we all talked about uh, the Asus software, the... Uh, Armory Crate. There's a lot of people who've used Armory Crate in the past with desktops and laptops, and they had a sour taste in their mouth. And even some people with the beginning of the uh, Armory Crate, it had its little quirks, but it's worked into this beautiful piece of software that just works. I haven't had any issues with it since. MSI, on the other hand, I don't want to say anything bad about MSI because their software has been great lately, but when I bought my GP66, there was a few of the software buttons that just maybe not have worked perfectly or I had to close the app and open it back up. Never anything game-breaking, but if you're going in there to maybe do a driver update or, you know, check and see what the power level's running at or what your temps were, it may have been just a bit tricky. And I almost wonder if we could see something like that, but as far as software goes, that's just something that, you know, I'm curious about. I don't know if you're curious about as well, but the aesthetics... I'm happy with, I think it looks good. You know, the Steam Deck to me, don't hate me, don't throw, you know, tomatoes at me or anything. I don't like the way the Steam Deck looks. It's personal preference, I just don't like it. I think it's a great handheld, just aesthetically, I don't, I, it didn't feel good in my hand. It may feel good in yours, but it comes to personal preference. Everyone says the Lenovo Legion Go feels good, and then some people say it doesn't. Same with the Ally. So I'm glad that they're not all built the same. We need variety. Everyone has a different shape in their hand. But as far as the aesthetics go, it's beautiful. I like it. I can't. I, I haven't seen anything negative that I don't like about it. What about you? So for me, I do like the. I, I like handhelds that are the color black. I do have the ROG Ally, but. For me, it's a little bit of, oh my gosh, is it going to show dirt, grime, et cetera? Mm -hmm. Not that I'm throwing it in the mud, but is it going to show its time and wear more so than a handheld that is the color black? But I'm not dismissing in any way handhelds that are the color white by any means. I mean, my ANEO 2S is black. It does come with in white. The 1X Fly that I have, I got it in black. It does come in white. So that is just has been my preference but I won't say in any way that it's bad because of the coloration that it is. I am interested in the RGB elements. I did read that there is speculation. I don't know if we can confirm it here, but there is speculation that the, the XY buttons are 
going to be RGB, so they will illuminate. Mm. But that would be interesting to see if if that is possible. I do not know. But aesthetically, it has a great look. I am looking forward to experiencing an Intel handheld for the first time and having that content created amongst us to share notes. And those, I, I really am going into this with not egregious expectations i'm not expecting to get 120 frames in starfield playing with this gaming handheld but i think that it's going to be in time if not initially when it launches when the drivers have matured software has matured that we can have a great overall generally speaking experience and looking forward to seeing what the benchmarks are and what the comparisons are yeah, and you mentioned uh, not getting 120 FPS in Starfield, and that's that's a, that's a definitely an acceptable thing. I I did mention earlier one my goal would be 120 FPS with like Modern Warfare. That also yeah. is with tuning. Me personally, of course, I tune my of games, course. I tune my systems. But everyone out of the box has a certain expectation, and I of course go in and manually tune my games. But what do you think about the bag? I meant I meant to ask you about the bag. Oh, I wanted to talk about guy. the bag. Oh, look at this yeah. bag. That is that is a sexy oh, bag. Man. I mean, I have multiple yeah. cases for my handhelds, but I mean right. this this takes it home. I, I have to say, gentlemen, this I'm going you, to love that bag. I have Same. to know. Do you get a Lucky the Dragon like plush or something when you buy this? Because oh well, no, that would I, be. I feel like that's that that's would be great. Not okay, if you don't get one, can you imagine that the YouTube cool. videos where you show the handheld with the game and then you got that plush right there on the side? Mm. Yeah, I, I, we need to do that among some somebody here amongst us. Yeah, don't take our idea. If any of you are yeah. listening, don't take our idea. Stop it, Lucky. Yeah, just stop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's trademark. I, I wanted. I, I wanted to mention um, that uh, CPPC was talking about bezels. I am a self-proclaimed hater of bezels, oh. and what's astonishing to me though is if you do a side by side of the MSI Claw, it looks strikingly similar to the display mm. of the ROG Ally. So one thing I'm wondering is if they sourced the exact <laughs> ROG Ally panel so that they also have 120. Uh, 120 hertz uh, VRR. You know what I mean? Because they would be the then they would be the only other handheld to date that has that type of display, right? Mm. And everybody loves their um, everybody also loves their landscape displays too. So that would be an amazing thing. Uh, Joe mentioned the the, the RGB on the buttons. Mm. To my knowledge, there's only one handheld on the market that has backlit buttons. Um, oh. It's actually just a streaming handheld. It's a the absolute one. But I actually really love how those uh, back those buttons are backlit because realistically, yeah, I love RGB too. Um, but like, you don't need to know where the sticks are, you know. Right. Like that's kind of you know, it's it's, it's like having a backlit. Yeah, it's like a backlit keyboard on um, you know some of the uh, handhelds that are are um, like the Ioneo Flip or um, the the GPD Win Mini. Backlit on a keyboard is much more valuable, much more useful, right? Um, one thing I was going to say also about um, going back to what CPPC said about software. Um, now, I also very much dislike um, what is it called MSI Dragon Center, right? I think yeah. that thing is not good. Uh, MSI, if you're listening, uh, that's not good. You need to fix that um, because it's a resource hog. Um, and, but there is one other factor I will say, even though I'm not optimistic about the software that they have uh, that ships on board with the MSI Claw. 
I think the armor, I think armory crate and legion space are probably, you know, uh, gonna like knock it down a few notches. But if they somehow um, hire, what's his name? Is it Alexei or something? Who he? It's the one guy who manages and develops MSI Afterburner. If oh, they yeah. get him to do the work, mm-hmm. then I, I think we could actually see some really customizable, you know, like uh, uh, overclocks and un- undervolting and all that type of stuff that enthusiasts love Great that point. no other handheld really offers. Yes. Great point. Yeah, if we could get the complexity, I really like the way the Power Tools plug-in works on the Steam Deck. I would love to see something like that on other handhelds built in intuitively. I mean, I understand there are third-party softwares that can be downloaded, but something along the lines of that to just be there within the console, I think that would be really nice to have. So I, I... agree with that there. I would like to transition, if I may, gentlemen, to looking at the comments to see what others are thinking about these two Intel handhelds. I see from Pock Pock, too many candy bar handhelds as it as it is, more hype yeah. for the OXP X1 and the minis form just because of the form factor. And I do understand, I will acknowledge that we did transition directly to talking about the claw, the MSI claw, but we did mention that the we did mention the one X player X1. And so it's gentlemen, let me turn it to you. What what to what you two if if you have any follow up thoughts for what Pac Pac has shared with us? So I don't have as much experience with One X Player as a brand as I would with MSI. So I felt taking a leap into the MSI would have been a better uh, venture. So I will say I've briefly looked at it. I've looked at the cooling. As far as a like for like comparison of what's probably going to be. The more popular option, I think more people are probably going to lean towards the MSI, just because it's a a normie mainstream brand, if you will. But the One X player does offer uh, a bigger screen, and that's probably the most interesting part to me, because we're going to see, like, you know, this more push towards tablet design, gaming, handheld things, and it's always nice to have a bigger screen. Uh, You know, I'd like to own them all if I could, but I I simply can't, so I think it's going to really come down to that sentiment as well to most people is which one's the right one for you so it's very personal when it comes to the screen size but bigger eh, it could it could always be better but it really just depends on price point i think the uh, price point of the one x player is probably going to be a little bit out of the ballpark of what i and maybe some others would call reasonable uh just based on other handhelds that i've seen from them but I, I'm not sure. What do you what do you think about when it comes to pricing with this handheld? Do you think it's within the ballpark of the MSI? Do you even think they even are batting in the same ball field here? No, absolutely not. Jack is Jack, who is the CEO of One Netbook, is so high up in the clouds he he doesn't even know where Earth is. Yeah, that's what I feel. That's it's one good, other thing but... that I was going to speculate because of the price movement, which we mentioned. Because mm-hmm. of these big brands that are that are joining the battle, we can only expect that you know companies like GPD, INEO, um, One Netbook are going to be pushed to the side or pushed to be more competitive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's overall a good thing for consumers, of course. Yeah. Except, except 
if for some reason all we get is the big players and then we just get stagnation of ideas, as Paco mentioned, with just a bunch of candy bar handhelds. Um, love them or hate them. I know Joe has a personal vendetta, as do I. I and EO pushes out so many skews that the one commendable thing is the innovation. I'm just um, I'm just hoping my A and Neo 2S is not redone. I have seen a rumor that they're going to launch another one, and we've that's the joke. One of the jokes amongst yeah. us is my my fear of that happening, and it's coming. I it's coming. I'm just oh, it's it, it's, coming. I, it's I'm coming just going to psychologically the, prepare for the, it. And you the know. I and Neo flip is not even out yet. The campaign hasn't officially launched yet, and they've all they're already saying that there's going to be an 8840U refresh. Like if that's, oh, wow. if that isn't the most Ioneo thing that you've heard, you haven't been around Ioneo long enough, you know? And I have strong confidence that Arthur will never listen to this podcast. And so I'm going to say like, Arthur, there's just way too many skews out there. Yeah, like, it, it's, it's almost it's a, a meme. Yeah. It's almost a space ball situation where, Oh, we're refreshing this device in the future. Let's go back and let them know what we're doing in the past just to cause some challenge and difficulty with everybody. But it, it, it absolutely is that, um, the, the one thing I will say, um, CPPC, you, you absolutely nailed it. I think when you said, um, you know, screen size and things like that are very much a very personal thing. And I would say that probably we're, we're just going to see a bunch of all different types of, um, uh, size devices. The other, the other thing that I'm really curious about to see for 2024 is, um, I speculated previously that MSI was going to create an, uh, a handheld. I didn't, I didn't think that ASUS was going to be first, but I figured it was going to be one of these big OEMs. So, right. um, I'm sure probably you guys would disagree maybe about the order, but I'm very much inclined to think that Dell Alienware is watching and they have something ready to go or they're going to have something ready to go and probably Razer and then maybe Gigabyte as well. Like all of the big players, as long as there's a market and they sell decently, they're going to come out with their own handheld and yeah. that puts more pressure on these Chinese manufacturers, right? I mean, I mean, they're all manufactured in China. I mean, these Chinese-based uh, companies. Well, the benefit to that is when the larger players become more involved in this space, the prices will become cheaper because they're able to scale more and offer them at a much cheaper price. So they'll either have to, um, I guess the saying is S or get off the pot, if you know, you know. If if they're going to keep asking, for example, one X player, if they're going to keep asking prices that are hundreds of dollars more than a similarly spec handheld from another brand then you're only going to be selling them to the true enthusiasts who are diehard fans of that brand. And unfortunately, as the economy is the way it is for most people, you're not going to have as many of those able to stick around. They're either going to be uh, satisfied with the handheld they have now, because the scaling of improvement per whatever isn't going to be enough to make it worthwhile spending another two grand on a handheld. They're going to have competition from, like you said, maybe even other brands like Alienware, Dell, or Gigabyte. That would offer them a chance to see something. Oh, well, this is the same spec, half the price. Sure, I'll try it. And then they might end up getting enticed and bought out by the company. Not really bought out, but they might become a fanboy because they don't need to spend the money anymore. And I think that's good, but 
if these brands want to kind of stay competitive, stay around, maybe kind of learn to cut the cost a little bit, maybe by stopping releasing so many handhelds. If they were focusing on quality over quantity, I think they could scale more as far as their profit margins, and they wouldn't have to worry about selling so many handhelds. They would actually make more money if they were able to put more time into sourcing more discounts for just one SKU or maybe two SKUs a year. So I'm hopeful that that could maybe kind of like show them the way. Um, but I know MSI, for example, they've always offered a pretty good price per performance metric. But if you look at something like the quite opposite would be Dell slash Alienware. Now, more towards the Alienware side, they're always overpriced. I like the looks and the aesthetics. They always have that going for them. But as Gamers Nexus has shown year over year over year, they don't learn from their mistakes usually. They still run hot. They still have, uh, you know, piss poor cooling. Forgive my uh, grammar, but they don't put effort into the things that matter to the gaming enthusiast, they have the people who like gaming for aesthetics, and that's fine, but your people that are into handhelds typically look at thermals. We typically look at those. Your gamers who are gaming on desktop, Twitch streaming, things like that, they're not looking at their thermals. As long as the game works, it works. They don't have to care about battery life. They don't really care. But we are looking at those details significantly more, so they should be a little bit more kind of like careful in that category. Because it could be a make-or-break situation if you are a brand for the first time diving into this world. We are very critical people in this handheld space, and uh, rightfully so. We we want to help this space become what it should be and what we know it can be. So that's why we kind of critique these things a little bit more than the average consumer of a desktop, for example. I think yeah, these I are agree. great points. I agree. Yeah. I'd, I'd like uh, to – oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, Joe. Um, I just wanted to ask you, gentlemen, and anyone in the chat, if you if they're familiar with the Alienware UFO. Was that the handheld? Yeah, that, that was, was the handheld. Yeah, yeah, that was the handheld. Yeah. Which yeah, yeah. that took the internet by storm. Yeah, that was the the handheld that uh, one yeah. netbook. Let's say, for a lack of better phrasing, um, you know, stole. So mm. what I'm curious is if they still have that somewhere, and they're <laughs> you know just gonna rehash it or. I don't know, make it bigger or something, right? That that's what Apple would do, right? Just just make it bigger. That would be interesting. I wondered why they tabled that to begin with. I feel like they knew the Steam Deck was coming because it was before the Steam Deck yeah, had, was. had officially launched. So they were kind of getting vibes like, let's sit back or let's rethink this because from what I was told, and this is an unofficial, you know, like just somebody who who may or may not have, have seen it. They said the thermals were pretty bad, uh, which is par for the course. I heard but they that said as it well. Was actually, they yeah, said it just was runs too really, hot. Yeah, it was really too hot in the hand, and that was one of the things that you really have to be careful of with these handhelds too because if somebody's going to be using it in their hand, it's just overheating and getting really hot. They're not going to mm -hmm. want to play it for long. Uh, maybe they just had to nix the whole design, you know? But the housing, the shell was pretty. It looked good. Yeah, oh, from it, what I heard, Aesthetically pleasing, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, from what from what I had heard was that the performance was not what they wanted. Uh, when that mm. came out, if I'm not mistaken, when they showed it off, that was 11th gen still. So 
Um, yeah. It would have been similar to like the first INEO or the uh, first, maybe INEO next, I think it would have been like the 1195 G7 or something like that. So yeah, uh, back then it's just, you know, uh, what Intel UHD or like Iris graphics yeah, at the best. 630. So, yeah. So obviously those things like it, it underperforms like <laughs> nobody's business by comparison now. Right. Yeah. That would be like a cloud gaming PC or something essentially. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm hopeful that they'll bring something back. I just, I am not an Alienware fanboy. I'm quite the opposite. I'm very vocal about not liking Alienware, not liking Dell. Uh, nothing, nothing, you know, bad to say about their. I guess it is kind of saying bad something. I just don't like them. I don't. I don't like how they are more focused on aesthetics, and they seem to still haven't got it together in the cooling department because that's such a missing aspect because you can actually achieve much more with better cooling, better efficiency, you know, better performance. You know, there's there's a lot left on the table when it comes to if you're selling a system that's hitting 100C out of the box, there's a lot being left on the table. If they're thermally throttling, they're dialing back the power. They're dialing back the performance. So you're, in fact, overpaying and getting less for your money. And you're probably going to see that from them in the handheld space. So it's like... They're really gonna have to try really hard, yeah. really hard. They're gonna have to dig deep into their hearts. Well, I gotta, on, ask, you, I gotta ask you real quick. Um, sorry, Joe. Uh, what What do you both think um, a Razer handheld would cost? Now, Razer will be quite expensive, yeah. just simply because they have that aura about them. They love their their aesthetics, and they focus a lot on the development of it. There is a diehard fanboy kind of like. You know, fan base behind Razer products, and it's they the ears. are in a better tier. Yeah, the cat they're ears. Better, oh, the cat ears. I like I, those, but their their quality of audio and the things that I look for just aren't there. But the aesthetics are. I think the pricing will not be anywhere competitive to something like an MSI. I don't think they're even in the same ballpark. However, if they bring it, it will sell. We already know anything Razer will sell regardless if it's good or not. Well, I think the advantage is going to be that the handheld gaming device is going to come with the cat ears so that you can game it and better. have the cat ears on. I mean, that's what I would expect. It better, anything it better, below it that is just in, not Razer. It better come in pink and it also better customize. Yeah, you can customize the color of the handheld and the cat ears so that they can align and there's RGB synchronization across all of it with the Razer software. That's how that's how you do it. That's how you beat all of them out of the park. Yeah, not gonna lie, if they sold the pink, I would buy the pink. I definitely would. No objection here. Let me continue to transition through the comments here on a good note. Poke Poke says that the plushies are on the way to use with the MSI clawback. So yes, try and save three of those for us if Please. you can. And let's see here. And Jedi Valton talks about the Snapdragon X Elite, maybe, I think, as an option for, it looks like, Samsung to release a handheld, or that may have been in conversation with Yelnat... Estel Ock S. I apologize for butchering that, but did want to at least include your comment in there. So a Samsung handheld in so the Jed, candy bar section here for what we're looking Jed, at. Jed is a diehard Samsung phone fanatic. This guy knows more about Samsung's 
and they're Snapdragons than I will ever know. He is a, a guru when it comes to phones. He loves his phones. And uh, if you ever have a phone question, that's the guy to ask. And I see Justine in chat, or Justin, I always mispronounce your name, brother, but uh, much love out there, man. You're a diehard fan as well. Welcome. Howdy. And th- fantastic. Paco and I can ask him how he feels about Samsung Dex. Oh, and, he actually has experience with that. <laughs> and thank you, all of you, for the comments that you have shared with us here. And we look forward to seeing many others in this podcast and other podcasts to come. I think now we can transition to our segues as we reach the conclusion of the podcast. Let's start with, and this is for us here on the podcast and the audience at home, what games are you playing presently right now? I'll get us started. I myself, I have been sick with the flu a second time, so I haven't been gaming. But I will say, and this is not a plug for this game in any way, but just personally, I'm looking forward to The Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, and that officially releases on January 8th, 2024. I plan on experiencing that on my ROG Ally when that releases because the memory requirement is not as steep. So that is why I'm not going to say my Aeneo 2S to try the game to start. But yes, Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. Gamers Generation, how about you? What are you playing right now? I actually started playing The Forest uh, with a friend of mine. Uh, We're playing in VR, so it's a different kind Mm. of game and experience. Uh, it's it's fun, I will say. I don't see myself uh, spending you know way too much time with it. Got to get back to that benchmarking, as you guys know. <laughs> There's just too many games on the plate, realistically. What about you, CPPC? So I've uh, haven't had a ton of time to play games, but I did pick up Guardians of the Galaxy on uh, the Epic Game Store for free. I started playing that. It plays quite well on the ROG Ally. I have been diving a little deeper into Ready or Not, which is extremely fun. I love that game. And I do have one game I'm going to hopefully be able to talk about soon that I've been uh, somewhat alpha testing for someone. And I think it could be exciting, but only time will tell. It's done on the Unreal Engine, and it is an FPS uh, shooter that's more along the lines of uh, teamwork and missions. And it's an indie game, but the graphics do not look indie. I think it's done quite well, and hopefully I'll be able to talk more about that at the first part of next month. All right. And our audience, any games that you are playing that you would like to share with us? I'll give it just a moment to see. If not, then we can transition to our next segue. I'm not seeing any comments here. Oh, Paco will always endorse Factorio. Just okay. FSR three frame generation is really tremendous. From Yelnat, again, I'm going to butcher that name. I apologize. Yelnat yes, stocks. I I you think Yelnat stock, stock markets. Okay. Yelnat stock markets. Okay. Okay. Yep. Thank you. I think we can all agree on that. For FSR three, that is a great game changer. I forgot if I had told you, gentlemen, um, but since the last time we had talked about it, um, there had been more implementations and improvements to that. So they had detached the HUDs in uh, in some of the games, and so there's less of that garbling. Like Cyberpunk plays pretty much perfectly at this point. Okay. Mm. Very nice. 
So we will transition to what next videos are we working on. I am still working on my Diablo video for the FPS mode on the Lenovo Legion Go. And CPPC Tech, what video are you next working on? So I've got a few that I'm cooking up, but currently I think the one that will come out the soonest is going to be an unboxing of a very special Lenovo laptop that features an i9 and a 4090. Uh, it was quite unexpected, and I think it's uh, quite insane. And then I might have a surprise up my sleeve for a few more as far as handhelds go. All right, Gamers Generation, how about yourself? Oh, 4090, that's spicy. Mm. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm still, uh, I've got to get cracking on this GPD Win Mini review. Uh, I just finished this review on this budget convertible mini laptop, uh, which I encourage everybody to check out because it's really not what you would expect, especially mm. for that price point. Um, I've also got some other videos planned for the, like the Legion Go, for instance, um, and also like a Quest 3 review. Ooh. Nice. All right. And a question for the audience. What type of technology are you interested in learning about? And the context of this question is to help us understand what videos you would like to see from channels that are a part of Handhelds United involved in content creation. So I'll give it a moment to see if anyone does have a comment regarding this one. Yeah, and if there's also uh, another question I'd like to add, if, if they're still replying, if there's any benchmarks that you guys would like to see us run, um, you know, a lot of us are all into different games, and there's always those games that I leave out, and I sometimes will reference another person who has done that in our group, so if there's ever any games, you know, always let us know if there's something on the table that you would like us to look out for for you. Okay, I see Oculus a, uh, yep, okay. That's been a popular one. That's been a very popular request. I'm seeing people request this technology more every time I look. So yeah. is is that something you guys are interested in? I know enough about it is what I would say. So Oculink is like an eGPU connection, basically. It doesn't affect me much because I just use everything how it comes. I try to make the best of what I have. And I can't afford to go out and go buy an external GPU, for example, and a handheld. Um, it may benefit people who already have an eGPU, but I just, I see it's a very niche group, but it's a ever-growing question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are a bunch of Chinese handhelds that currently have an Oculink port on them. The, mm -hmm. uh, the WinMax 2 6800U from last year, you can mm -hmm. add a port to that. The current WinMax 2 7840U, and presumably the refresh of that, the GPD Win 4, uh, that would be this year's model, the 7840U model. The next iNeo devices, and also the GPD Win Mini, which I have, also have an Oculink port. My understanding with Oculink is that it obviously has higher bandwidth, like mm -hmm. um, you know the uh, XG Mobile port. Mm -hmm. But the one diff the one downside that actually the two downsides that Oculink ports have is that they have a lower like input uh, input output uh, like tolerance I believe it's only rated for like 50,000 uh, connections or something like that and then um, it's also not a single my understanding is uh, and someone in the audience might know and have personal experience but 
Uh, I haven't tried it myself. So my understanding is that it's not a single cable solution. So where no. you connect your XG Mobile or your um, USB 4 Thunderbolt cable um, to your eGPU, the Oculink still requires you to power um, with, another ca- uh, with another cable because it only transmits data. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So I do have um, I do have plans for a video comparing like Thunderbolt uh, Thunderbolt four. I'm um, sorry, uh, USB four um, eGPU uh, to an XG Mobile uh, eGPU as well. So that would be comparing um, uh, you know like the Legion Go to the likes of uh, to the likes of the ROG Ally. And because I also have an ASUS uh, X16 Flow which has USB four connection, I should be able to try that laptop with both of those two GPUs uh, to see, um, you know, what kind of difference we can get from that. I was also planning to source an Oculink uh, adapter. And with uh, the problem with that is uh, it's kind of expensive and uh, there's like a backlog wait time. I think it's the ADT link uh, UT 3G or something like that. Yeah. Uh, do you it, mean the Oculink to uh, XG Mobile adapter? No, it's a it's Oculink. It is a it's a PCIe Times sixteen slot two that has the Oculink port on it. So basically, you'd be making your own eGPU. Oh, okay. So I know there's someone that's been developing a board for the Ally, for example, that goes in the NVMe slot, and it uh it's it's basically like got a few connections on it for another NVMe drive, like a twenty two thirty or whatever, if you want. But that has been something I have seen teased, but I haven't seen yet. I didn't know if you were referring to that or an XG mobile adapter. But I've I've been wanting to find something. Yeah, so, I the the one thing is is I think for these eGPUs, they're they're still like kind of as you said, they're kind of a niche thing still. Like whereas yes. in the handheld space we are already in a niche space. I think that that's going to be expanding along with the laptop space with the desktop uh, with the desktop space um, or market like shrinking, but the eGPUs are are not simple enough, and you know our buddy Windec Tech will be able to tell you that they're not oh, yeah. like a simple plug and play solution. And because they're not, a, and even the XG Mobile, you plug it in and it'll give you issues. Like that's not yes. something that any typical end user wants to deal with. And it's fantastic if you can troubleshoot all that yourself and everything. But there's also no reason why someone should buy that. You know, especially with these eGPUs being like eight hundred to two thousand yeah. dollars, and then you know it doesn't work out of the box, right? Like that's kind of ludicrous to ask that. You're right, and then the performance is not the exact same as its desktop counterpart, or even even some of the laptop counterparts. It's a little frustrating because some people gloss over it, and I still see that we should spend a little bit more time on it eventually if we ever do get some more of these out. Um, there needs to be a little bit more transparency because many people are picking them up and being either really disappointed about the downfalls and the shortcomings of the XG Mobile, but most importantly, that price, like you said, it it's something I can't get past and I can't justify it. Um, if I was a consumer where I saw, ooh, XG Mobile 4090, okay, you know, it's $2,000, okay, you know, uh, regular 4090, about $2,000, okay, that makes sense, right? But no, you're getting much less performance than a 4090. You're not even getting a 4080 uh, in terms of performance. You're getting way, way less than that. And, it's, and specifically, if you're putting them on a handheld, you're doing yourself a disservice getting a 4090 because you're already going to be... Pretty CPU bottlenecked, I would say. Uh, it's just something that I, I, in my opinion, I think it's a little bit overhyped, 
And I think people are um, kind of pipe dreaming about it until they get it. And when they get it, like you said, like Windex Tech has had the same experience with as well, there's a lot of shortcomings. Many people return them. Many people sell them. They're just not feasible right now. We may see the market mature, but I would really like to see an offering. I think this is maybe why people like the Oculink is because they could possibly build their own enclosure or buy their own enclosure and actually use the desktop variant of said GPU, maybe that they could pull out of their desktop, for example. That would be what I would want to ideally do. That way, if I'm traveling, I don't need to travel my entire computer. I could take my handheld, I could take my external GPU, and take out the GPU out of my desktop and take it with me if I'm going to be gone for a month or two. So that way I still have the luxury of editing and rendering my files and playing a little bit of games. That would be the only resource that would make me want to be able to do it. But as far as XG Mobile, I have zero interest. Zero interest in buying one of those probably ever. Yeah, unfortunately, because that's such a closed environment and, you know, it's basically a proprietary port, they're, mm -hmm. they're really, I mean, what you buy is supposedly the convenience, right? Like I have a Razer Core X Chroma that I can switch out the desktop GPU inside, but that thing is way bigger, way bulkier, not something you could travel with. Mm. And even when we get to Thunderbolt 5, which should give significantly better performance um, through the cable, I don't expect like these things to be simple plug and play solutions. And until we get to that point where they are simple plug and play solutions, I think there's still a, a good space for the desktop market, even if it's shrinking, mm -hmm. you know, because of power users like yourself. We're going to have to have something in a small form factor package that, yeah, you could just pack up and take with you for a month or two, as you said. But yeah. it's also got to have the serviceability, in which case, you know, the ability to swap out that GPU. Do you remember the, the Alienware, um, what is it, the M51 or something like that, the laptop? I mean, yes. in theory, it was supposed to be good because you could swap the, the, the GPU, right? Even though it was yep. like small, except, yeah, after they can it after one generation or just totally swap the design. Like, what's the point of that, right? Yeah, it, in theory, it was nice. But then when people bought them and they were extremely bamboozled and they went to go buy a better GPU, they were like, yeah, I'll just buy the low end model for now. And I'll, I'll buy, you know, whatever GPU comes out next year. And then they didn't come out with another one. And then you couldn't actually buy the GPUs and replacing yeah, exactly. them wasn't as easy as they said it was going to be. And uh, it was never as never as simple as what they said. And to this day, I find it quite hilarious that I'll find people occasionally that own them and they're still finding out, <laughs> you know, they're like, you know, well, I heard they can upgrade the GPU in this thing. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I think you can too. You know, I don't want to get into it with them. But then they look on eBay or other places and they realize how rare they actually are. They're like, oh, okay. But it was, it was, it was something that was cool. It sounded nice on paper, but in theory, it just didn't work out for them. Well, yeah, I think, sorry, Joe. Well, gentlemen, uh, I, I think if, Let's see if there are any concluding thoughts before we close for the night here. If there are any thoughts from the audience remaining or any thoughts on anything in general that we have shared thus far in the podcast. Uh, yelling at Stock said he's going to use his Ioneo 2S via USB 4 on his external monitor, it looks like. 
Very nice. Yes, I myself am looking forward to using my ANEO 2S with a eGPU along with my other handhelds as well because of the the 1X eGPU that should be shipping out here sometime this month based on what was stated from 1X. So I share the yeah. interest to say the least. Most definitely. I know this was a longer one, guys. Anyone who stayed with us till the end, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you all, and thank you for bearing with us through the technical difficulties. We have that sorted out, and so we can prevent that issue from happening. We do have one question as well. Okay, let's see where that one is. Uh, It's about, it's from Yelnat also about asking about what kind of uh, M.2 we have in uh, the ROG Ally. Is it not a PCIe 4x4? Uh, it is a Gen 4 in the Ally. I do believe you can go up to uh, 7,200 megabits per second, possibly even higher. That's the fastest I've put in there, and I believe it is four lanes, if I'm not mistaken. I am not quite certain on that. So if you are asking that in reference to that Oculink connector, if there's enough lanes for it, that's been my question all along. There is a guy who did develop the adapter. He's working on it. But I also questioned how the lanes would be split. I'm sure it will drop that NVMe down to a Gen 3. Uh, so, yeah, that's a good question to ask. I'm not quite sure if it's four my, lanes. Yeah, my inclination, if it's only four lanes, then it's not going to be any better than the XG Mobile. Mm-hmm. That, w- that would be my guess. Um, someone has done like an M.2 to um, Oculink, I believe, or uh, if I'm not mistaken, like on a Steam Deck before. Um, and so yes. like, you know, y- these are things that can be done, but then, uh, like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna come out with the meme and say like, what are you going to run the drive off of then? Like the malfunctioning micro SD slot, <laughs> uh, the adapter that he had developed, uh, the person I'm speaking about, I can, I can share it, uh, directly with you guys. There is a, I, I think he's done with the prototype and I think it's on to production but it had a 2230, it basically turned it from 2230 to 2280, and then he used a 2230 off of that, or either there was a ribbon cable that relocated it. It was kind of a complex design, so it's splitting it multiple different times. You're going to lose a lot of bandwidth that way, for sure. All right. Well, I think we can go ahead and conclude tonight's podcast. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for those in the audience for joining us and staying with us. And you can look forward to our next podcast. Yeah. Hope all of you guys have a good afternoon, good evening, or good night. Have a great night, everyone. Take care.